Welcome to Bed Crime Stories Podcast. I'm your host, T, and I hope you guys are all feeling well. We're in between the holidays, looking forward to the new year. To anyone new here, welcome. Let me ask you a favor. If after listening to or watching this video, you find you enjoyed it, you learned something from it, do me a favor, hit that like button, subscribe to my channel, and leave me a comment. Now, let's dig in. Ashley Banfield of News Nation recently interviewed criminologist Dr. Sarah Daly and forensic psychologist Dr. Chris Mohandi. Dr. Daly is an expert in the world of incels, and Dr. Mohandi, who is the host of Investigation Discovery Channel's show, Most Evil, has more than 25 years of experience in the assessment and management of violent behavior. Banfield wanted to know if the two doctors thought it possible that this crime in Moscow, Idaho, could have been committed by an incel or involuntary celibate. Both doctors said yes. It's definitely a possibility and one that the investigators need to consider. Dr. Daly explained that an incel is a member of an online community of young people, typically men, who consider themselves unable to attract the opposite sex. In their online communities on Reddit and Fortune, incels vent, and much of what they say is hostile toward women and men who are successful in dating and in having intimate physical relationships. Incels even have names for these popular kids. The women are called Stacys, and the men are called Chads. Dr. Daly explained that because male incels regard themselves as being unable to land a romantic and intimate partner due to things they cannot change, things like maybe being extremely short or having an unattractive face. They deeply resent the Stacys and the Chads of the world. Yes, they could have plastic surgery, maybe to address the face, but there's pretty much nothing they can do about the height aside from wearing platform shoes, which for a guy would create yet another problem. Incels even have a term for this state of affairs, the black pill. This reference comes from the movie The Matrix, and for incels, the black pill is the belief that one's appearance is the defining characteristic for success in life. Success in attracting females and getting to enjoy physical intimacy with them, and success in other parts of their lives as well, such as a career. If a young man experiences overall rejection by females, it can lead to despair, especially for a guy who's obsessed with wanting to experience the usual rituals of young adulthood, things like getting a girlfriend, maybe attracting a pretty sorority girl, and then being able to enjoy intimacy with that girl. But before you start feeling sorry for these guys, let me also point out that, in general, incels are deeply misogynistic, and many believe Stacys and Chads should be verbally shamed and even physically punished for rejecting them. An article on the Anti-Defamation League's or ADL's website put the world of the incel into greater perspective for me. The ADL is the leading anti-hate organization in the world. 
In the article entitled Cells, Involuntary Celibates, it says that law enforcement officials believe that incels are responsible for taking 47 human lives in North America alone over the past six years through mass attacks. What went down on King Road in Moscow, by the way, was a mass attack. Dr. Mohandi then pointed out that the crime in Moscow has similarities to an attack that went down in 2014 in Isla Vista, California. That would be a mass rampage committed by an incel named Elliot Roger. Roger became a hero and almost a saint for the crime he committed there in Isla Vista. In fact, minutes before another incel named Alec Manassian launched a deadly attack in Toronto, Canada, in 2018 that led to 10 people losing their lives, Manassian posted the following words to his Facebook. The incel rebellion has already begun. We will overthrow all the Chads and Stacys. All hail the supreme gentleman, Elliot Roger, end quote. To fully understand incels, you have to know who Elliot Roger is and what he did and why he came to be known as the Supreme Gentleman. So sit back, grab a hot toddy, and let me tell you another bed crime story. Before he set out on his rampage, on May 23rd of 2014, 22-year-old Elliot Roger posted what he called a retribution video on YouTube. Take a listen to some of what he said in this six-minute video. I'm only going to play a portion of it. Elliot Roger here. Well, this is my last video. It all has to come to this. Tomorrow is the day of retribution. The day in which I will have my revenge against humanity. Against all of you. For the last eight years of my life, ever since I've hit puberty, I've been forced to endure an existence of loneliness, rejection, and unfulfilled desires, all because girls have never been attracted to me. You girls have never been attracted to me. I don't know why you girls aren't attracted to me, but I will punish you all for it. It's an injustice, a crime, because... I don't know what you don't see in me. I'm the perfect guy. And yet you throw yourselves at all these obnoxious men instead of me, the supreme gentleman. I will punish all of you for it. <laughs> that creepy snickering that sounds like something out of a horror movie or conversely out of a Saturday Night Live skit about Count Dracula, that's real. That's Elliot Roger in full mental illness mode, expressing his rage against pretty popular sorority girls and against society as a whole for what he perceives as its rejection of him and cruelty toward him. Elliot didn't come out of the womb like this, by the way. It took years and bullying to get him to the point where he wanted to annihilate other people. I'm not justifying his violent behavior, by the way just trying to shed light on some of what contributed to his sick mind. 
He was born in 1991 in London, England, to a successful Hollywood filmmaker named Peter Roger and his Malaysian wife, Lee Chin. Peter Roger met Lee Chin, who was a nurse, on the set of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. The family was well off, and Elliot was raised in the lap of luxury and privilege. According to Peter, Elliot as a child was a laughing little boy. Peter Rogers said, Elliot was far from evil. Something happened to him. He was the most beautiful, kind, sweetheart of a boy. He was adorable. He would laugh so much that sometimes we were worried he would choke. End quote. At age five, Elliot moved with his family to Los Angeles. When Elliot was seven, his parents divorced. A year later, Peter Roger remarried. This time his bride was a Moroccan actress who'd been in the movie Green Zone, which stars Matt Damon. That same year, at age eight, Elliot began therapy, partially to deal with the emotional fallout from his parents' divorce, but also to get help for the problems he was facing at school. Per Peter, Elliot wanted to be part of the cool crowd, but was having trouble fitting in. To try and help Elliot, his parents moved him from school to school. They felt that if he could find the right school, he would finally find classmates who would embrace him. But the quiet and shy Elliot wasn't someone the kids gravitated toward. Peter describes his son as having a certain degree of obsessive-compulsive disorder, which was evident in things like Elliot needing to always put his dinner plate in the exact same spot on the dining table and always having to wear the same clothes. There's a suggestion that perhaps Elliot was suffering from Asperger's syndrome, but he was never formally diagnosed. Elliot, in a 141-page autobiography, describes himself at age nine as follows. My little nine-year-old realized there were hierarchies, that some people were better than others. Jealousy and envy, those are two feelings that would dominate my entire life and bring me immense pain. End quote. Despite all the inner pain Elliot was coping with, he never let it be shown and he never talked about it. According to his father, all you would see was a very polite, well-mannered young man. By age 13, Elliot was a complete introvert. Instead of having actual human friends, he turned to the heroes and villains in the online game World of Warcraft. And I'm thinking that maybe that snickering we heard in his video, maybe he pulled that laugh from some of those animated characters, because that's what it sounds like to me. In high school, Elliot found himself the target of bullies. It was as if the other kids sensed something about Elliot that in their eyes made him the weakest gazelle on the savanna. In the cafeteria, Elliot had food thrown at him. In the school corridors, he was repeatedly slammed into lockers. It got so bad that he had to leave two high schools. Eventually, Elliot was enrolled in the 100-student-strong Independence High, where he was able to complete his studies. According to his father, Elliot did not talk to him about the bullying. Instead, he suffered through it in silence. Perhaps Elliot didn't want to relive the shame of the bullying, 
And maybe he didn't want his father to think less of him as if it was his weakness that led to the rejection and humiliation. When puberty hit and a surge of hormones rushed throughout his body, Elliot began obsessing about getting a girlfriend and being able to experience physical intimacy with her. As he repeatedly ran into rejection when he tried to approach a girl, any girl, Elliot descended further into darkness. He began to feel jealous of the popular kids, and this is when his fantasies about getting revenge took a hold of him. By 18, Elliot was secretly seething with anger and resentment. Because he was too afraid to approach girls at this point, it became easier for him to hate them. His parents, thinking that college life and some sunshine near the Pacific Ocean would do him good and enable him to, for once, thrive among people his own age, sent him off to the Santa Barbara City College. Elliot's community college was close to the University at Santa Barbara, or UCSB as it's called. But his parents were dead wrong. Here's what Elliot wrote about his forced move to Santa Barbara. It was only when I first moved to Santa Barbara that I started considering the possibility of having to carry out a violent act of revenge as the final solution to dealing with all the injustices I've had to face at the hands of women and society, end quote. So instead of going to class, the then 21-year-old Elliot spent his time online looking at websites where other rejected young men expressed their misogynistic views and hatred toward women. This is when Elliot became radicalized in his views. In his autobiography, Elliot wrote that at this point he decided to give women one last chance to help him become a man before he turned 22. When he attended a party and none of the girls there would give him the time of day, Elliot climbed up onto a 10-foot-high ledge and pretended to shoot at the partygoers with an imaginary weapon. Now it was time to get serious in planning his actual rampage. Elliot went out and purchased three objects that I can't name because YouTube doesn't like that. These are objects that shoot out lead projectiles, and Elliot practiced with these objects at a range. He videotaped his retribution video while sitting in his BMW, and he finished writing his autobiography, which had really turned out to be a manifesto. Things came to a head on May 23rd of 2014. The five foot nine inch Elliot, now 22 and still a virgin, selected three lethal objects for his planned attack. One was an object that he bought earlier that casts out lead projectiles and makes a loud bang. Another was a sharp edged object. And the third one was equipped with a motor and wheels namely Elliot's black BMW. With these three objects, Elliot Rogers set out to terrorize the unincorporated community of Ela Vista, which is located directly adjacent to the UCSB campus. Right before he began his rampage, Elliot posted his retribution video on YouTube. That video was entitled, Elliot Rogers Retribution. In the video, Elliot says, I mean, look at me. 
I'm gorgeous, but you girls don't see it. I don't understand why you're so repulsed by me. End quote. Elliot also mailed that 141-page-long autobiography, which he titled My Twisted World, to almost two dozen people he knew, including his mother, Li Chen, his father, Peter, and his stepmother, Sumaya Akabon. The incel community would later latch on to Elliot's video and autobiography and treat them as sacred relics from a martyred saint. In his manifesto, Elliot stated that he targeted the Alpha Phi sorority, whose members he deemed the hottest at the college. He described the sorority girls as the kind of girls I've always desired but was never able to have. Roger began his reign of terror in his own apartment in Isla Vista. There, he used that sharp-edged object on three young men, Chen Huan Hong, Weihan Wang, and George Chen, who were done in one after the other as they entered the apartment they had the misfortune of sharing with Elliot Roger. About three hours later, Elliot got into his black BMW and drove to the Alpha Phi sorority house. After failing to get inside, Elliot grabbed the object that shoots out lead projectiles and aimed it at three young women outside the house. Two of the girls, 22-year-old Catherine Cooper and 19-year-old Veronica Weiss, died. But Roger wasn't done. He then drove past a deli in town and used that same object on a male student who was inside. That male student lost his life. Still, Elliot Roger continued his rampage. At this point, he began driving erratically through Isla Vista and pointing that object out the window and firing on random pedestrians. He also used his BMW to swerve and strike people on the street and sidewalk. It was only after he smashed into a parked vehicle that his rampage came to an end. At that point, Elliot turned one of his lethal objects on himself. The police would later discover him deceased inside his black BMW. In the final section of his 141-page manifesto, Roger wrote, I am the true victim in all of this. I am the good guy, end quote. Since that tragic day in May of 2014, Elliot Roger has practically been canonized by some in the incel community. In an article on the BBC's website, the author writes the following about Elliot Roger. On dedicated incel websites, users are split. Some disavow Roger, but others admire him, seeking to rationalize and even celebrate his actions. Likewise, the attack attributed to Alec Manassian. Of the Toronto suspect, one post says, I hope this guy wrote a manifesto because he could be our next new saint. Another proclaims, I will have one celebratory beer for every victim that turns out to be a young woman between 18 and 35. End quote. I've told you guys about Elliot Roger to say that I do believe it's possible that an incel living in or near Moscow, Idaho, could be responsible for the deaths of the four students, Maddie Mogan, Zana Kornodal, Kaylee Gonsalves, and Ethan Chapin.
could we find four people who better represent what hardcore incels call Stacy's and Chad's. Note that I really believe that the perpetrator of the crime in Moscow was targeting either one or all three of the female victims. Ethan Chapin may have died only because he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. It seems more likely that this crime was supposed to be strictly a femicide, in which all the intended victims were females. I looked at the Instagram accounts of the four victims yesterday, and granted, their number of followers may have grown since their deaths, but Kaylee Gonsalves currently has more than 58,000 Instagram followers. That's a lot of followers. In fact, that's influencer level. Maddie Mogan is only slightly behind Kaylee with more than 40,000 Instagram followers, and Zana Kernodal is behind Maddie at 33,000. By contrast, Ethan Chapin has only 1,960 Instagram followers. In all their glossy Instagram posts, Kaylee, Maddie, and Zana radiate femininity and beauty. I'm assuming that while many of their followers are females, many more are males. Some guy friends they knew, but other males they didn't know. In the world of social media, the more followers one has, the better. Instagram profiles are typically not private because the Instagrammers want to become influencers, highly paid, highly sought-after, real-life models. I think it's safe to say that Kaylee Gonsalves was an influencer, and perhaps Maddie Mogan, too. Let's say there was a guy in the vicinity of Moscow, Idaho, or at least within driving distance of it, who stumbled upon one or all three of these young women. Could one or all three have become for him symbols of everything he desired but could not have? The forbidden fruit. That desire have turned to hate and resentment and jealousy. Did Kaylee, Maddie, or Zanna, all three, reject an incel in Moscow? Or did an incel from afar view them on Instagram and become obsessed with one or more of them? I'd say these scenarios are as plausible as any of the others we've heard. What do you guys think? Do you think an incel may be responsible for this crime? And if so, do you think this will be a one-and-done crime? Or do you think this guy, after his cooling-off period is over, will strike again? Until the next time on Bed Crime Stories, do me a favor, smash that like button, subscribe, leave me a comment, maybe sign up for a membership and share my content far and wide.